Hi, it's Pastor Woods, and I just wanted to talk to you today about run in circles, scream and shout. So many times we think that's the only answer. 1 Peter 5.10 says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Have you ever said, I'm so frustrated, I just don't know what to do? You know, it's easy to be crowded into making rash decisions when they we feel that way. You know, the spur-of-the-moment decisions that you'll be forced to live with for a long time. I remember when Marty and I were first married, and we were in Grand Coulee, Washington, trying to pastor at $40 a week, and we got invited to go to one of these things where you listen to the the program and then you got to make a decision right away well we had just had a little baby tammy and we went to this presentation just wanting to see what it was all about and there they said if we were to sign up we would get this movie projector we would get this movie camera we would get this uh picnic water jug and all and we could not afford it but we we just thought how nice it'd be to have all that while we had our little baby growing up and suddenly we were stuck with a a contract for years to come that made it kind of hard and what we were making to make the payments we were i remember too that we were invited later in our life to a program called direct buy where we could buy things below dealers prices but we had to make up our mind to pay for it right now it was a five thousand dollar investment here but we would be able to go on and get all these neat things for a long time we were told you must make this decision before you leave because you won't have another chance well, suddenly there's a red flag up there. What is it that's so urgent right now? Another time, a few years ago, Marty and I went to a presentation there around Phoenix, and uh, the lady was presenting, you know, this wonderful vacation program. And uh, she began to realize that we were just there because it was something to do and we were not really able to make the decision to buy something because we couldn't afford it. And so she said, well, please come and follow me. And so we went and followed her. She opened the door and we found ourselves outside in the alley and she slammed the door and we uh, just were out. I didn't even get my donut that she'd promised we could have if, I, if we would listen. My reaction when someone tries to force an immediate decision is to run. Why the urgency? If it's worthwhile, I should have a chance to think about it. You know, we, we need to delay action on these big decisions. Psalms 27:14 says, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Too often we make rash decisions. We take quick action when we don't really know what we should be doing. When, you know, that's where I get this thought, when in trouble or in doubt, run in circles, scream and shout. Our errors and judgment add to our distress and frustration. Fear makes the problem seem bigger than it is. 
sometimes little things can make us frightened, you know, and we shouldn't have to be. I remember a UPS driver one day that came up to the house in the shadow. My seven-pound little toy poodle dog barked, and he was afraid to get out of his van because of that vicious dog and told me that if we knew there was a package coming, keep the dog locked up so it would not be out there attacking people. Well, I'm sure that he had a reputation of killing about the third or fourth salesman that showed up at the place here. When we don't know where to turn, we should hold off making decisions which affect the directions of our life. We must wait upon the Lord until we get God's perspective. Only then should we move forward with confidence, knowing we have God's direction. Luke 21, 19 by your endurance, you will gain your lives. Well, how do I do that? I, I think I need to devote more time to reading God's word and prayer and seeking God's direction. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You know, people get so wrapped up trying to solve their problems that they neglect to pray. They might cry and complain to God, but they're not really praying. Neglecting prayer brings failure. Edmund Gravely died at the controls of his small airplane while flying to Statesboro, Georgia from the Rocky Mountain uh, Wilson Airport in North Carolina. His wife Janice happened to be with him, and she kept the plane aloft for two hours until it ran out of fuel. During that time, she sang hymns and prayed for help. As the plane crossed the South Carolina-North Carolina border, she radioed for help. She said, help me, help me. Won't someone help me? My pilot's unconscious. Won't somebody please help me? Authorities picked up her distress signal but weren't able to reach her because she kept changing channels. Mrs. Gravely finally made a rough landing and crawled for 45 minutes to a farmhouse to get help. Often God's people cry out for help to God, but switch the channels before God's message comes through. They turn to other sources for help, looking for human, human help. When you cry to God for his intervention, don't switch channels. When you don't know what to do, you must ask God and listen for his word. Wait for his time. His direction is found through prayer, scripture, patience, and perseverance. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 and 18 says, Pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. But we've so much to worry about that we have little time to pray. Uh, you know, it, it gets back to why pray when you can worry? Threat, threaten layoffs at work, sometimes scare us. Government shutdowns, overwhelmed by the border conditions down there, the invasion that's going on. Fixed incomes and, and the prices going up, the gas prices, the food prices, the utility prices, more taxes, and on and on and on. And then we think about all the crime in our neighborhoods and terrorist attacks and 87,000 new IRS uh, agents there and 
drugs and weapons and sexual predators in the schools, schools and doctors pushing sex changes and pronouns on our children, not telling us what's going on. The country is out of control. We have every right to be fearful, right? Well, maybe not. In his book, Scared to Life, Douglas Rumford cites a study that explains why we shouldn't let fear rule our, and ruin our lives. He says 60% of our fears are totally unfounded. 20% are already behind us. 10% are so petty they don't make any difference. 4 to 5% of the remaining 10% are real, but we can't do anything about them. That means only 5% are real fears that we can do something about. Well, we should do God's work diligently then and trust God. In 2 Corinthians 6, 1, working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Not knowing which way to turn doesn't mean we should sit with our hands folded doing nothing. This only adds to confusion and indecision. While we should delay acting on big decisions and give more time to our devotions, we can't stop there. We must continue doing something for God. Help someone in need. Visit the sick or the old that need help. Attend church faithfully. Share Christ with others. This all helps to find direction in life. 2 Thessalonians 2.17 Comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. And then we need to learn to depend on God for direction. Proverbs 3.6 In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths or direct your paths. So many Christians run to friends asking for advice until they hear what they want to hear. Go to God, or, or, or if you go to a friend, go to a devout Christian who is well grounded in the faith and have that person help you pray for God's counseling. Failure to trust God brings defeat. I heard about Mrs. Oswald Chambers. Oswald Chambers was a, a devout pastor. But she said once her husband uh, had a situation... She said, like all teachers of forceful personality, he constantly had people longing to pour out their intimate troubles to him. She said, I remember at the close of one meeting, a woman came up to him with the words, Oh, Mrs. Chambers, I feel I must, or Mr. Chambers, I feel I must tell you about myself. As he led her away to a quiet corner, I resigned myself to a long wait. But he was back again in just a few minutes. As we went home, I remarked on the speed of which he'd managed to free himself from that woman, and he replied, I just asked her if she ever told God all about herself. When she said she hadn't, I advised her to go home and pour out before him uh, as honestly as she could all her troubles, then see if she still needed or wanted to relate them to me. Chambers knew the importance of going directly to Jesus when faced with spatial needs or trying situations. You know, when we don't know where to turn, we must trust God and depend on his direction. God should not be the last resort after we've exhausted all other options. He should be where we go first. P. 
people say, well, it's hard to have faith in God. How can I learn to trust him? I can't get a handle on this faith thing. Well, think about it. You practice faith every day. You put your faith in people and things, so why is it so hard to trust and obey God who loves you so very much? If you're sitting down now while you listen to this podcast, I doubt if you examined the chair before you sat down, you just automatically committed yourself by faith to that chair, assuming that it would hold you. Most of you travel in a car. You get in, turn the ignition, and away you go. The majority of you probably don't have a clue as to what makes a car go. You just trust it's going to take you to your destination. Maybe you recently saw your doctor about something and he wrote a prescription. You couldn't read it and you wondered if anybody could read that thing. You took it to your pharmacist. Have you noticed that when you give a pharmacist a prescription, he usually disappears behind a screen or a wall where you can't see him? If you think about that, that could shake you up. What in the world is he doing back there that he doesn't want you to see? I wonder if he, you know, slept through the course of pharmacy at, at, at when he went to the, the medical school. He gives you a little bottle. He says, take one pill three times a day. And you think, well, won't that thing get slimy after a while? What if I take a different pill each time? By faith, you do what he tells you to do. Faith is woven into the system. You mean you can trust all these people and all these things and you can't trust God? God can pick up the pieces of your life no matter what shambles you have created in the past. And he will give you purpose and direction. You might say, well, pastor, you just don't understand. I failed so miserably. God can't help me. Listen, you can't change the past, but you can ruin the present by working over, uh, worrying over the past and dreading the future. Satan is making a play for your soul by telling you your life is hopeless, that things are not ever going to get any better, that all you can ever do is when in trouble or in doubt, run in circles, scream and shout. God's plan for you is so much better than anything Satan or the world has to offer you and more wonderful than you can even imagine. Satan can't put anything in your life so deep but that the blood of Jesus Christ can't go deeper to cleanse you from all sin. My thought is confess your sins to Jesus Christ today. Tell him you are sorry for your sins and the rebellion against him and that you want to accept him as your Lord and Savior. God says in Jeremiah 33, 3, Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. If you do that, Jesus will take care of the rest and adopt you into God's family and make you a joint heir with Jesus Christ in God's eternal kingdom. Man, that's the best deal I've ever heard. Know this, in 1 John 4, 4, it says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. A church sign uh, read and advised, keep your knee, or when your knees knock together, kneel on them. And I think that's tremendous advice. 
quieting our hearts before God calms our fears, our, our fears and renews our courage. That, that's much better than when in trouble or in doubt, run in circles, scream and shout. I believe that if you don't know Jesus Christ today, you don't know what you're missing. And I believe that it will be so much better if you would bow your heads and accept him as your personal savior and begin to listen, listen to Jesus Christ who knows you better than anybody else and knows what you ought to do and when you ought to do it. Father, I just pray that you help these people that have listened to this podcast to realize the most important decision they can make is to decide to follow Jesus Christ. Help them to confess their sins, to repent, to accept you as their Savior, and become part of your family, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, if you want to get in touch with me, you got my phone number. You could call if you need to, or you could text me using that phone number. Or I have an email address. It's lowercase R-E-V-W-M-W-W-O-O-D-S at gmail.com. Or you could even write me at Box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. God bless you. I hope that you're not having problems in your life that you think you can't face because if you have God, he will face them with you and you can get through to victory. God bless you.